3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, it's Hollywood from The Joe Rose Show, and welcome to the very best of The Joe from Friday, As always on Friday mornings, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk stops by and had some thoughts on the upcoming matchup between the Dolphins and the Bills, which will be Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff from Hard Rock Stadium. You can catch that game right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. Listen in to hear who Mike Florio thinks should start a quarterback in this upcoming matchup for the Dolphins. Does he think Tua should get an opportunity here? Listen in and find out, and Mike Florio joins the Joe Rose Show every Friday at 9.15. Here is Mike Florio with Joe and Zach.
1: Alright, we're gonna jump out to the toy of Hollywood Hotline. Talk to Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com in just a second, but 560 the Joe wants to see you at a Dolphins game at Hard Rock Stadium courtesy of dade county federal credit union dade county federal credit union the preferred credit union of the miami dolphins for more info go to fincu.com that's f-i-n-s-c-u.com want a chance to win those tickets you can log on right now to wqam.com the home of the dolphins is am 560 fm 96.5 hd2 the joe wqam and streaming on the radio.com app good morning mike how are you doing this friday doing great how are you guys today mike we're doing great man and
4: uh you know, we always talk about these first round picks and ah eh, how good are they going to be and I thought Joe Burrow is going to be really good even with the Tua stuff and Tua would have been the number one guy if he didn't get injured and all that stuff. I think Joe Burrow is going to be really good and I just watch what he's playing with right now. AJ Green is anybody gives him an extension, he he lost his fastball Mike. It it's gone. I thought Joe Burrow with what he's playing with He's got a chance to be really, really good. What do you think? Have you seen enough or you're not sold yet?
2: Well, here's what I saw that's more important than anything else. I saw growth from Sunday to Thursday night. You always wonder, especially without the benefit of a preseason, what kind of changes we're going to see from a team on a short week to start the year. And I actually saw positive developments from both the Browns and the Bengals. And Joe Burrow, if you watch the game, against the Chargers. He had several moments, and I hesitate to say this, but it's my accurate assessment, where he reminded me of Jameis Winston when Jameis would try that thing where his brain wants to do it, but his body won't comply, and he go- he's going beyond his abilities and trying to do too much. There were three moments like that for Burrow in week one where he was just way too reckless with the ball. He had an ugly interception where he was trying to improvise and throw a shovel pass, and he threw it right to Melvin Ingram of the Chargers. But there was none of that last night. Last night, he was uh, within himself from you know the standpoint of doing what he's capable of doing. He threw 61 passes, completed 37. It was a rookie record for a single game in completions. The only thing I worry about with Burrow, and he's downplaying it for now because you know he's young and it doesn't hurt him the way that it eventually will, he gets hit way too much. Whether it's when he's running the ball, whether it's when he's behind the line of scrimmage, he's got to learn how to avoid contact because sooner or later he's going to end up getting injured and uh, you you just can't take that much physical abuse at the NFL level and expect to be okay.
1: Mike, the Cleveland Browns look like they might be a running team. Do they have a better one-two punch at running back or at wide receiver at this point?
2: Without question at running back. And that's one thing that I picked up watching the Browns Ravens game week one. If they had just stuck with the run, they would have kept that game closer and they may have won that game. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were getting it done week one against the Ravens, and the passing game wasn't there, but they kept going to the passing game. And that's the problem of having so many expensive players on your team in those positions. You feel compelled to use them. They spent all that money on tight end Austin Hooper. They've got all the money they've invested in Odell Beckham Jr. They've paid a lot of money to Jarvis Landry. You have to use those guys when the reality is, you know, if you can run the ball effectively and the defense can't stop you, There's no reason to throw. We saw the 49ers carry that to a Super Bowl berth. Once Kyle Shannon got a little freaked out by Jimmy Garoppolo throwing some near misses in the playoff game against the Vikings and just decided, well, if they can't stop the run, let's keep running. That's what you should do. That's the formula for winning. And when you look last night at the stat lines for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you would think that's how someone's number one tailback performed in a game. No, it's two guys performing that way. Both guys had more than 100 yards from scrimmage. They each had two touchdowns apiece. I I, I think that that is the key for this Browns team to finally turn it around. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a firm believer they need to trade Odell Beckham Jr., because that constant pressure to get him the football and whether or not he's going to be placated by how many targets he gets, it's not worth it. You don't need that. And I still believe it. Even though he had a decent night last night and had a touchdown catch, I I think that, that they should trade him because it takes away from what I think their strength should be, which is ground and pound. Mike, it, it's a
4: great point. It's we always laugh about this. There's only one football, and it's going to be difficult. They're clearly that one-two punch at running back, and I was thinking the same thing because you know Odell's looking when he gets in there at targets. Hell, he knew how many targets he had. You see, he's only getting four or five balls thrown to him, or six footballs thrown to him. There's no way he's staying happy, right? Especially if they lose, he'll put up with it if you're winning, but if you're losing you're going to have a guy that's just not going to be happy. I don't know how they're going to
2: do it with all these weapons. But that's the key to have to win. If they win, he can't say anything. If they lose, then he can, can say plausibly and in his mind, something he fully believes, Hey, look, we would be winning if they would throw me the football, period. So they're not throwing me the football. We're not winning. In his mind, that's the connection. If they throw me the football, then we'd be winning. When that's not the truth, this team is going to win if Odell Beckham Jr. is a complimentary player, not a key player. And the question becomes, is it worth the financial investment to have Odell Beckham Jr.? I think they should trade him to the Patriots at some point before the trade deadline. I think that's the place he's wanted to go for most of his career. And it just feels like Mm. that's the only place where they could maybe get him to fully buy in to doing things their way and not worrying about how many times he gets the football and, and not, you know, he needs a quarterback he can click with and he doesn't click with Baker Mayfield. Maybe he would click with Cam Newton. We know he would click with Tom Brady and if Tom Brady was in new England, I think it's even more likely he goes there, but there's no reason for Odell Beckham jr. To be in Tampa Bay. But I think in new England, it would make a ton of sense.
4: Since you, you brought it up, the Patriots, um, what were your thoughts, Cam Newton? I was a little surprised. I didn't think he was going to run that much. Talking about teams running for over 200 yards. What do you think about Cam Newton, that little read option that kind of helped that whole running game? Just Dolphins couldn't stop
2: in either half. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, I I had not watched the game when Bill Belichick said Monday that because he was asked about how many times Cam Newton run, ran and he said, well, you know, those were all option plays and sometimes the run's there and sometimes it's not. But I watched that game and I tracked it and and and, and counted it all up. There, there were seven designed runs that weren't option plays for Cam Newton. He ran the ball six times out of an option look and handed it off or pitched it thir- uh, the other seven times out of 13. So seven designed runs, six option runs, one scramble, one kneel down, That tells me that the designed run is still a big part of this offense, and it'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks commit enough resources to the line of scrimmage to take away the option, to cover both the running back and Cam Newton, and and whether or not Newton can take advantage of that down the field with the weapons they have or, more accurately, with the weapons they don't have, which is all the more reason for them to want Odo Beckham Jr. if they can get him.
1: All right, you brought up Tom Brady before. Bruce Arians kind of called him out after the game, after the New Orleans game. Uh, What did you think about that? I don't think we've ever heard publicly, right, that Tom Brady getting lashed out like that by his head coach?
2: Well, it was jarring because we've never seen that from Bill Belichick. He doesn't do that with any of his players. But here's the reality. The moment Tom Brady signed on to play for the Buccaneers, he knew or should have known that that's what he's going to be dealing with, that that's who Bruce Arians is. He's been that way his whole life. It's one of the reasons he didn't become a head coach until 2013. He doesn't play the game. He doesn't kiss butt. He's not going to say the politically correct <laughs> thing, at least as it relates to, you know, publicly, am I going to pull punches if I think somebody stinks? No, I'm going to say I think somebody stinks. And and look, if you can't take it from a guy in his late 60s who's riding around in a golf cart at practice, how are you going to stand up to the pressure you're going to face on game day? So I, I think it's a non-issue, and, and I think it's something that, If Brady is surprised by it, he shouldn't be because he should have known from the get-go. And I'd like to think that Arians was smart enough to say at some point during the courtship of Tom Brady that I'm going to have to call you out like I'd call anyone else out because that's what I do. And if I don't call you out, then I'm going to be playing favorites, and that's not going to be good for the team.
4: Mike, I want to ask you something a little bit away from the players, the announcers. It is amazing to me because we talk about it sometimes. Monday night football announcers seem to be under a different microscope than everybody else. Uh, even with their first team and even Herb Street getting it, and a lot of people love Herb Street and want Herbie up there to do Monday night football. I don't think those guys that are doing it right now are bad at all. I think Greasy's really good but it's incredible the amount of people that really dislike whoever they put in there on Monday night football they They seem to be under a different set of rules. Do you find them to be that bad through the years?
2: Well, here's, here's the problem. And it's funny because most of the people complaining now weren't football fans when the standard was set for Monday night football, but it was Howard Cosell, Don Meredith and Frank Gifford. And that was a magical time in sports television. And And Monday Night Football has been trying to live up to that. Now, when it was Al Michaels and John Madden, you didn't hear a whole lot of complaints. So that's another thing that Monday Night Football has been compared to for the last 14 years. But the reality is, in 2006, Monday Night Football became a cable property, not a broadcast property. So it became the old Sunday Night Football. It wasn't a big deal anymore, but it still got the title that exudes big deal. Here's what you need to watch. 2022, that's when I believe Monday Night Football will be back on ABC. That's when I believe they will break the bank to hire Peyton Manning. That's when I believe they will move heaven and earth to try to get a guy like Al Michaels back or some high-end play-by-play announcer to go along with Peyton Manning. And then all of a sudden, Monday Night Football is not going to be criticized. The booth isn't going to be criticized, and that's just the way it's going to be. But I think that's where it's heading. And I saw Chris Russo... He made a pretty good criticism, and it's not really a criticism; it's an observation of the main Monday night booth of Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy. You can't distinguish the voices quickly between Riddick and Greasy, so you don't know who's talking. And you need—I think—you need to factor that in to your selection of, especially a three-person booth. You need to be able to tell the difference between the two analysts instantly in the way they speak, uh, whether it's you know the pitch. The, the, the speed, right. they, they just, they have, they, they, their voices sound too similar, so you have to focus your brain on which guy is this.
1: Huh. Mike, Cam Newton ran uh, kind of all over the Dolphins last week in that defense, 217 yards. The big bad Bills and Josh Allen coming to town this week. What do you expect to see from this game between the Bills and the Dolphins?
5: Well,
2: here's the thing that uh, Josh Allen does. I mean, yes, he runs the ball very effectively, but he is prone to that boneheaded mistake. He had a, an ugly fumble early against the Jets in week one. He had another turnover. I just think that's something he's never going to completely be able to iron out. But but the Bills have that vibe of a team that is going to pick up where they left off from last year. Now, the question is, we don't know how bad the Jets are. It could be that the Bills got the easiest game of their year right out of the gates. So I, I just think that, that and, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm sure you've talked about it a time or two, but if Tua Tonga Bailoa is healthy now and he wasn't on the injury report at all this week um, and, and you know he's not getting treatment on that hip anymore, why don't you just play the guy? Just play him. That's why you drafted him. Get him on the field and let's see what he can do. Let him take his lumps now. Let him learn now like Joe Burrow is. Joe Burrow is losing and he's pissed off about it, but all these reps are making him better. Tuatonga is not going to get any better standing on the sidelines watching Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they should, they should throw him into the fray and see what he can do.
4: How about Thursday night Jacksonville? Can yeah. you can you wait a few days maybe for that, if that is the case, maybe?
2: You know, I it's funny because early <laughs> in the season any football football's like pizza, like even if it's bad, it's still good. But I saw those promos last night for Jaguars Dolphins next week and I'm thinking, oh boy. But but it's still football. And and right. hey, the Jaguars look, the Jaguars beat the Colts and yes, uh they you know, did. the Dolphins can can stay close and the Dolphins didn't get embarrassed by the Patriots. So, you know, I'm not ready to write off Miami this year. And, uh, yeah, maybe a little battle of Florida next Thursday night will be worth the price of admission.
1: Wait, hey, Mike, you don't like the Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Gardner, you know, like that kind of matchup that they're promoting? I saw those commercials last well, night. That's sexy. I,
2: listen, we had, we had a conversation this week. Now, Baker Mayfield was a lot better Thursday night than he was on Sunday. But we had a conversation about whether or not Gardner Minshew would be a better option for the Browns right now, that if you flip Mayfield and Minshew – are the Browns better off? And we came to the conclusion, yes. I don't know I got into Baker Mayfield last night, where he just had a different look, a different demeanor. He had a spring right. in his step. I don't know whether it was this idea that he wants to, you know, he's got a measuring stick with the guy who was the the, the uh, first overall pick in the draft. And, uh, you know, he was very engaged in watching Joe Burrow, and maybe that brought more out of him. You'd think that being on the same field with the NFL's MVP from last year who was the number 32 pick the year you were the number one pick, would have a factor, would have an influence in it. But, but, uh, but, but nevertheless, I, I, you know, I, I think Minshew's got a ton of potential. He was 19 for 20 last week. But I think it's easier to sell Tua versus Minshew than, than Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Minshew. And I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but when you've got the guy who's the you – know, you've got the Ferrari that's just sitting in the garage with each passing week, more and more people want to see that thing out there on the track.
4: Hi, right, Mike. Listen, man. Great having you. Really appreciate you spending some time with us, man.
1: Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mike.
2: All right, man. All right, man. See you.
6: And we are back here on the Best of the Joe Show with me, j Fig, Figgy, Jen, Jen Figueroa. You can follow me on Instagram at Jay Fig Radio or on Twitter, the Jay Fig double G. And no, this is not another bad movie review from me. This is me talking about how I am still not over that block. And, yes, you know what I'm talking about. Bam out of bio. Jeez. Talk about the heat. Talk about bam. Don't worry. The Dan Lavatar Show with Stu How had you covered this morning with Miami's very own Bam at bio.
7: Um, so bam, uh, bam out of bio is with us on ESPN Radio. Uh, should probably... Uh, congratulate him for his star turn.
1: You agree? Biggest star in sports right now. I mean, right?
7: uh, he he got his moment, and people are impressed. And if you did not know this name, this is a name you're growing to know in this bubble. Uh, Kendrick Perkins has some trouble with the name.
4: Bam out of the bayou, well coached by Eric Sposa. Uh,
7: uh, do that again. Yeah, you can hear him laughing. Do it again. Just so <laughs> Bam out of the
4: bayou, well coached by Eric Sposa. That's okay.
7: Bam out of the bayou, well coached by Eric Sposa.
8: <laughs> oh, <geez.
7: laughs> We're tickling the giant. Just keep tickling. Bam me. out of the Bayou Well Coast by
4: Air uh,
7: Bam, how many times? Thank you for joining us. Uh, get, can you just put a number on this and congratulations on the victory? How many times have you seen your offhand block shot uh, on video?
8: Uh, I mean, every time Sports Center popped up on our TV or ATV.
7: Um, yeah, so, I, uh, I, yeah, I would imagine.
8: Yeah, but, I, you know, I delete social media because of the playoffs, so I didn't really see it that much on social media. But, you know, on the TV, I definitely see it a lot.
7: Well, explain this to me, because everyone keeps saying around the Heat, the Heat are built for the bubble. Explain that to me.
8: Uh, We can't really explain it. you you got to be in the culture to understand it.
7: Oh wow! It's a cane thing you wouldn't understand. It's a heat thing you wouldn't understand. What do you mean I wouldn't understand? You can't explain to me what it means that to be built for the bubble. You guys, I take it aren't doing a lot of complaining about the the conditions or being away from people.
8: Uh, this is one of those things. I feel like, like I said earlier, you just got you got to be a part of the culture to understand, and then you'll understand how to beat the bubble.
1: Bam, uh, what do you say to people? Right, you guys have mastered the bubble. But they beat what you,
7: the bubble. They you beat
1: the bubble. the bubble. Right. Well, it's six to go, and then you beat in the bubble. But what do you say to people who are trying to minimize this, saying, you guys, you're doing it on neutral courts. You don't have to go on the road? I find it to be patently absurd. I'm not one of those people, just so you know. But what do you say to those people who are saying that, Bam? Nothing.
0: He just... <laughs> yes! Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. yes! Leave it right there! He oh. is one of
7: those people. He is absolutely yeah. one of those what? people.
8: B- B-
0: Bam, Bam, it, 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 I'll explain it for you, because Dan seems to have a, a problem understanding what heat culture is. It, it's the hardest working, most committed, uh-huh. nastiest, most uh-huh. competitive, most disliked team in the NBA. That's what it is inside the bubble. That's how you beat the bubble, Dan. Am I right, Bam?
8: <laughs> I mean, that. that's a part of it, but it. Like I said, you know, you know the 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 outside and in part being in the culture and being a part of the team that's in this bubble, you it's different.
7: Uh, Can you explain to the audience for those who don't understand? Because you're mild uh, mannered, you're not somebody who is uh, you know that we can necessarily imagine. Uh, getting into a confrontation with Jimmy Butler. But everyone on the team communicates that way, correct, in terms of not afraid to tell each other the things they might not want to hear?
8: Yeah, that's a big thing about a team, trust and honesty and communication. And, you know, during the midst of a game, you don't know how anybody's emotions are going to go. So somebody might say something to you. It might, from somebody looking at it, it might look wrong or it might look like it's coming off wrong. But, you know, from me to Jimmy or Jimmy to Duncan or Goron to Jay Crowder, you know, we understand that it's nothing personal.
7: Is there a guy above all others on the team? I mean, it might be UD still, for all I know, that is most uh, known as, hey, he's not to be trifled with. Like, uh, it's okay, we could have those sparks and the confrontation and all of that is okay, but at the end of that, uh, that's the guy who's most not to be trifled with around
8: here. Uh, you know, us going against each other or us going against somebody else? Against
7: each other. I'm talking about, like, because things can get heated. They can get competitive. They can get emotional because Pat Riley doesn't mind back in the day, Alonzo Mourning, getting in his face. And, you know, Pat Riley saying is, hey, you can say F you to me, but just teach me something.
8: Yeah. I mean, that's how we all are. We're on like the next- mean, It's not just. it's not just one particular person. Like, we're all built like that. You know, we all might come off and say something at somebody during the game, and it might sound wrong. But at the end of the day, we know it's to help one another.
1: Man, the next time you saw Jason Tatum after that block, was there? Like, what happened? What was that interaction like? Did you wink at him? Did you give him a nod? Like, what
8: happened? No, I haven't. Uh, well, besides us playing in game two, I haven't seen him around in the bubble. So, uh, you know, me and Jason. Played AAU together, so we we knew each other for a long time. But uh, I ain't seen him yet. You know, it's the playoffs. Don't worry about the Miami. Heat. All
7: right, is it really like that though? If you run into a guy in the bubble from another team that you're playing, you got nothing for him. You got nothing to say to him because you're. It's the playoffs. It's the bubble, and you're built to beat the bubble.
8: I feel like that's how it's supposed to be in any playoffs condition. No matter if we're in Miami or if we're in Boston. Like, it's it's the playoffs. We're trying to to win just like they're trying to win.
0: Bam, I read about your now infamous workout with the Miami Heat where they were putting you through kind of routine drills where they were testing your agility, and you told Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, oh, you must have me bleeping confused. And still, people doubt you. You can guard one through five. Are there any point guards in the NBA that still think they can take Bam out of bio and got him bleeping confused?
8: I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to explain that for you. I, I can't I can't answer that. But uh, I feel like you can ask some of the guards around the league. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want to ask this way. Are there times that you line up against a point guard and you see all the confidence in the world in that point guard's eyes because they think that they can take a center like you and you know you got them?
8: Yeah. I've been in that position before. <laughs> You're a bad man, Bam. I mean, you really This are. is a
7: little uncomfortable, all the fawning around Bam out of bio. We can be a, a slightly less fawning about this. Uh, is your wrist okay? Is the boo-boo okay? Like, everything it, all right there? Is, is it wrist it's watching it. It was very painful watching We're you do that. are concerned about you. Are your fingers everything okay?
8: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm fine. Yeah, uh, good. All right, we well, how did you go, do that? Man, how did right? you
7: do that? How was that done? Explain to us offhand. How does that happen?
8: Uh... Like an all-hand block.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Or just jumping and jumping. Just all of that. Just just you. How, just how, how that? do you happen? How did that happen? Yeah. 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 Without getting tired.
8: Uh, without getting tired. Uh, I made a play. I mean, you know, the playoffs are made for for players to make plays, and you know, I just made a hell of a play.
7: Uh, Popovich uh, chose Plumlee over you. Have you forgiven him?
0: nope i haven't
7: Uh, can he he answer please he did with his laughter that was a good answer
8: (laughs) that's it um (laughs) it's it's no hard feelings man like they had to make a decision that's their decision everybody has opinions and you know that was their decision so we 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 i had to live with that
7: uh, way too diplomatic bam Adebayo with us on espn radio what are some of the cool things in the bubble what are some of the things i know you're built for the bubble you don't have a lot of time for distractions but have you snuck over to the teacups
8: nah um i went fishing once
7: <laughs> that's it that's decadence it's all listen they're chasing
0: I, a championship is this trip yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't go fishing. He sends teams. He's fishing, fishing for a ring.
3: I mean, bam. Mark Jones reported that Jimmy Butler doesn't like his birthday. So for his birthday, he had his chef make you guys really nice meals, and you had to come up and pick them up, and then go to your room to eat them. He also made this a business trip. Were you guys allowed to say happy birthday to Jimmy Butler?
8: Yeah, uh, some <laughs> of the some of the rooks sang him happy birthday.
7: Oh, just so, the, uh, the
8: rookies. Yeah, the rookies. The rookies got to sing "Happy Birthday." Who had the best singing voice?
7: Oh, Tyler, right? Oh, for the love of God!
8: Definitely Chris Silva. Yeah. Wow. wow really, deep. A, a beautiful. No, yeah.
7: A beautiful. Uh, can you explain to us the relationship between Jimmy uh, Butler and Tyler Hero?
8: I mean, they're, they're kind of like brothers. Uh, I mean, you you don't have to ask them their relationship, but for what I see, they're kind of like brothers. Like Tyler, kind of you know, gravitated towards Jimmy before the season started. And, you know, Jimmy's been helping him ever since. You're my brother.
0: Uh, Tyler
7: Heroes <laughs> from Wisconsin. I don't understand any of that. I don't. How is that from Wisconsin? Does that make any sense to you?
8: <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, he he's different. <laughs> As everybody can see, he's definitely different.
7: Uh, do you have anywhere on your, because you said you're not on social media, do you have anyone who's put for you somewhere? I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but the picture, the one—the most amazing picture I saw of the block was the one where your wrist is that close to the rim and the ball is being denied.
1: Wait until he gets out of there and he turns
7: on his social media. Uh, what or are you
8: but, a big star, Have man? you seen
7: the photo I'm talking about, Bam?
8: Yeah, I've seen it
7: uh what do you do with that like in terms of putting it in your house or celebrating it screensaver in the future what do you do with that
8: uh i don't know we'll wait to the end of the series and i'll figure it out from there
0: i know you're off social media magic johnson called it the greatest block and and he he was right come on come on come on
7: rachel Nichols already asked about this we're doing reruns
8: (laughs) uh greatest you know it's it's, it's magic, first of all. It's magic. The man played magic. with a lot of great players. Yeah. So for him to say that, that's kind of like a big accomplishment.
7: I thought you were saying it was magic, it it was and magic. it was. It, it has was, nothing to yeah. do with Magic Johnson. It was just magic. Bam, thank you for being on with us. This uh, This run has been a lot of fun for Miami. Thank you, sir.
8: Appreciate it.
6: Hey guys, it's me, yes, Jfig. I'm back and I'm filling in for the one you know and love, the one and only Dan Day, here on the Best of the Joe Show. Let's go on now and listen to Crowder's Spirit Animal, the number one go-to for Hawking Crowder on Twitter. Kendrick Perkins, who joined Hawking Crowder today, and although he played for the Celtics, let's just say he is the Miami Heat's number one fan. Them goons!
3: This is our guy. (laughs) Crowder and I both said, after the Heat win, the first thing we do, we go on Twitter, we look to see what Kendrick Perkins (laughs) is tweeting.
9: My spirit animal, man. I think a a lot of Heat fans do that.
3: I think a lot of Heat fans do that. They go, all right, what are you thinking? Um, We'll go out to the Toyota of Hollywood hotline here. Shop over 1,500 Toyotas indoors in one of America's largest showrooms at Toyota of Hollywood on 441 between Hollywood and Sheridan. Kendrick Perkins has become this de facto leader of Miami heat fans, and he's got them tweeting. He's even got the heat tweeting at him. He's got Dwayne Wade tweeting at him. He has professed his admiration for the Miami heat all over ESPN and uh, all the ESPN platforms. And, uh, I think it may anger some of his fans who used to root for him when he played for the Celtics. Perk won an NBA championship with the Celtics in 08. But he has been a uh, a big supporter of the Miami Heat since, you know, the season, really March, where the season started to to wind down because of COVID. And, and he was already on the Heat uh, train, and uh, it has gotten more pronounced, and he is joining us now. Hello, Kendrick.
5: What's up fellas? What's going so, on, my
3: good people? I mean, you won a uh, a championship with the Celtics. I
5: don't think the Celtics are gonna play for a championship this year, Perk, do you? Not from the looks of it. Not if they gotta go through these goals from Day County. Listen, yeah. the, right now the Miami Heat have the best coach in the game and it's Eric Sposher. The way that he's mixing it up and throwing different defenses and different looks as the Boston Celtics got them all discombobulated. And on the offensive end, the Miami Heat are doing it collectively. Last night, six guys in double figures. The ball is moving. I think they had 36 assists in game one, uh, 28 or 29 assists last night, and they just had it their way. And shout out to Goran Dragic because he's been one of the most underrated guys in the playoffs that doesn't get his just due.
9: And perk you, oh, I I saw you on ESPN all day, perk. You've been everywhere today, man. Because like you said, you 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 the leader of our team right now, the, the the Heat squad. But you said something about the Celtics playing selfishly. You 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 hit on it. They playing selfish. Did the Heat create that selfishness? Was that a season long problem? What created the selfishness? Self selfishness that the Celtics are playing with right now.
5: Well, I think it's it's young guys having success, um, and, and also the Heat. Uh, they they tend, you know, to to take you out of your comfort zone. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's hard when you're young and you have success because you can read so much on social media and read about yourself and you know people calling you a rising superstar and and all of a sudden the Heat turned the uh, Celtics into an isolation team and that works into the Heat favor because they have so many guys that could guard. So, you know, um, you got to give credit to the Heat, but you also got to look at the Celtics and say, well, maybe this is just who they are, an isolation-type team.
3: Kendrick Perkins from ESPN is with us. It was, you know, all over media last night that the Celtics were screaming at each other in the locker room, that it, it seemed to get a little unhinged there after the game. A, I would ask you, is that common? Because I would imagine that it probably is. But B, I, I would say to you, does that uh does that not bode well for the Celtics moving forward if they're having, you know, screaming matches after game two?
5: Well, I mean, it could go either way. Uh, you know, sometimes it's good. I've been in locker rooms after a loss with guys, in, you know, in film session and guys go edit and it get heated. Um, you you love to see it for the simple fact that guys care. You don't want guys after the game, after a loss like that, uh being up double figures and then getting outworked by those goons from Miami. You come in and you're you're smiling being down too. Oh, you expect things like that to happen where guys get heated and uh, you know, things happen in the big moment. So um it could go either way. Either the Celtics could bounce back from it. Or they could come out acting like someone's going to feel sorry for them. But uh, this Celtic team is going to be feisty. you got to know that. They're not going to just go down without swinging. So Miami has to prepare for the Celtics to give them their best shot tomorrow.
9: And, Perk, when the Miami got into that zone, the Celtics seemed like they didn't know what to do. It seemed like, you know, back in the day, your teams you played on. What would y'all have done if you all saw a zone in the NBA? Because it seems like you shouldn't be able to run a zone at that level.
5: Well, well, the thing is, is that it was a zone that we'd never seen before. And that's that's the greatness of, of Coach Eric Sposer. I mean, he had his big guys kind of up front and the smaller guys on the back line. I didn't know if it was a 3-2 or one-two-two. Two. I didn't know what it was. And it threw everybody off. And in the spur of the moment, when you throw out different things like that, it's hard for guys to adjust on the fly. Especially in game, so you know that's why Embrosia is who he is. Uh, you know that's called pulling a rabbit out the hat, um, and I'm pretty sure he got something else he's going to throw their way in game three.
3: Yeah, you've been highly complimentary of him every time that we've spoken with you. What what is it about the Heat team that makes them so damn special? Because. This doesn't seem like a typical wow team doing well in the playoffs and no one's paying attention. This seems like they've grabbed some of the nation's attention. I've got, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I've got friends of mine in Chicago that are saying, "I'm adopting the Heat the rest of the way. They're fun." What what is making them so special?
5: Well, what well, the thing is is that they don't have a lot of household names. They don't have a lot of superstars that you see on Gatorade commercials or you see on Hulu commercials but they have some elite players Jimmy Butler and Bam both All-Stars Goran Dragić he's been an underrated player in this game for a long time and then you have guys like Jay Crowder or uh, Tyler Hero who 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 is a rookie that seems like he's been in the moment before and I think when you look up at the makeup of his team they play together. Uh, they share the ball. They're happy for one another's success. They don't care who's the leading scorer that night. They pass up good shots to get great shots. On the defensive end, they bring that tenacity. And once you start to watch them, and once you start, you just can feel the camaraderie. You can feel that the grittiness. You can feel that goon that, you know, and it rubs off on the world, and all of a sudden you like, Man, this type of team I could root for.
9: And, Perk, we hear about how special Jimmy is. But, like, you play with some stars, bro. You play with Hall of Famers, you know, multiple times, you know, All-Stars. Just explain how special it is to have an All-Star that doesn't need the ball in his hands, that'll take the game over defensively, that doesn't need, you know, eight, ten shots a quarter. He'll go out there and do whatever it takes. Talk about how special that is to have an All-Star that doesn't need 20, 30 shots.
5: Well, it's very special. I mean, he's just a winner. Forget being an all-star. Jimmy is a winner. And, and you know, it be times where I I watch Jimmy, and it seemed like he don't be being aggressive offensively, like you know, in the first half. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, he just turns it on to a whole nother gear. It's like he he waits for that moment. It's like he he has the ultimate trust in his teammates to get it going. Uh, first, second, and third quarter. KG always used to say, in the four, i get y'all going in the, in the first three quarters, in the fourth quarter, this is the reason why we get paid the big bucks. And Jimmy showed that last night. You're talking about, what, three, three steals, crucial steals in the last four minutes of the game. You know, he just wanted it more. You just look at it. Even game one, that crucial and one, when he drove to the paint and went through Jason Tatum's chest, he just wants that moment. And right now in the Eastern Conference, he's the best closer in the Eastern Conference.
3: Kendrick Perkins from ESPN. Are you getting heat from Celtics fans for being such a uh, a, a verbal heat
5: fan? Well, the crazy thing is, is that I work for him part-time uh, on the <laughs> Boston Network. They know I, see I see it on Twitter. I see it. Yeah, but but my job, man, is to to is to not be biased. You know, uh, that's that's part of my job as being the an analyst, and I gotta call it like I see it. And to me, the Heat has the better team. They has the better coach. Uh, I would be biased if I was to pick the Celtics, but the Heat is playing inspiring basketball right now. And if anyone can't see that, they're just a hater. And if anyone from the Celtics family or fans from Boston from their Northeast feel some type of way of me. Shame on them.
3: That's why we got to get Perk down here. We need We need like a week-long tour with Perk down here so <laughs> Heat fans can give him the proper respect that he deserves. You said, though, I mean, Boston's not a bad team, and you said the Heat got to be prepared tomorrow night for Boston to
5: throw everything at him. How do you see this
3: series ending up?
5: Uh, I see this series going no more than six games. Uh, I just don't see the Celtics uh, beating, the, beating the Heat uh, four out of five games. I just don't see it happen happening. And, and you know what's the crazy part about it? The Heat have yet to put a full 48 minutes of good basketball together. they they beaten the Celtics both times by just playing great basketball in the second half. It's going to be scary to see when they put a whole game together – because they, they do for that. So uh, the Celtics definitely have their hands full. Um, it's definitely going to be a, a a game to watch, and I'm ready to see who won all the smoke tomorrow because the Celtics are going to come out. They're going to be more physical. Uh, they're going to, you know, it, it, their backs against the wall. There's no way that they could go down 3-0. If they do, you might as well pull the brooms out.
3: I mean, we're potentially looking at a Miami Heat versus LeBron James and the Lakers NBA Finals, which would be an unbelievable storyline, obviously. Are you still of the opinion that neither
5: teams left in the East here could compete with the Lakers? Well, I will say this. The way that LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing right now and the championship experience, This will be the first, if the Heat come out of the East, this will be the first real test that they have that they're matched up with veterans like themselves. Uh, And not only just veterans, championship pedigree that the Lakers have. They have the most championship experience in the league. Uh, And I would say the series will go seven games. I will get a slight edge to the to the lakers i believe i I just feel like lebron is on a serious mission but it will be a fun matchup to see a very very fun matchup to see I, i guarantee you the ratings will be through the roof yeah i am dying to see that matchup man so
3: are all heat fans and i guess nba fans would be as well Giannis won mvp today um would that have been your choice over lebron i guess
5: Now, you know, Giannis Giannis is the most dominant player, but he's not the most valuable. Uh, You know, I I don't understand the criteria for MVP anymore. Um, You know, the goalpost moves every year when it comes down to that. So, you know, in my opinion, my MVP would have been LeBron James, but you know, nowadays you get caught up in the PR and Giannis did Will Chamberlain numbers and all this, but you know, I can remember a time when Steve Nash won MVP, average of 15 and 11. And Kobe took a, a team to the uh, playoffs where he had Smush Parker, Kwame Brown, and I think he <laughs> averaged about 35 points that season. And he was a clear cut, most valuable player, but they gave it to Steve Nash because they said, well, Steve Nash was the most valuable to the Phoenix Suns. So, I don't know the criteria, but, you know, shout-out to Giannis. First, I mean the third player in NBA history other than Akeem and Jordan to win defensive player of the year and MVP. But if I had a vote, I would have voted for LeBron James.
9: And, Perk, I I know they don't involve – they're not supposed to involve the playoffs in the MVP race. Should they move the the bar or move voting? Because, bro, you play this game to win championships. Shouldn't you take that into account
5: when picking the most valuable player? I mean, absolutely. I I strongly believe, man, that you know, uh, it's just like I said. I mean, you just you just don't. I just don't know. I don't get it because right now, I, I tell you what, it's not a good look. Yonder's getting crowned MVP, and he's sitting at home because he got put out in the first round, second round. That doesn't make sense to me. So, but you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, I, I feel like. The best way to go about it is for you know us as media people to pick five finalists for each end of the season, uh, each end of the season year awards, and let the players and coaches decide from there. But you can't pick a player from your own team. I think that would be the best because asking around the, the league, a lot of people said that LeBron was the MVP. I'm talking about current players.
3: Anybody else at uh, ESPN come around now on uh, your love for the Miami Heat and uh, and tell you publicly you were right, Perk, and they were wrong?
5: Well, uh, You know they have too much pride for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were
3: right and they were wrong. We know the truth, right? Yeah, for sure. We know the truth. There it is. Kendrick Perkins from ESPN. Well, hopefully – we will uh, be able to talk to you next week, and uh, and you will keep banging the drum for our heat on ESPN because we love watching it, and we love watching it on Twitter, too. We love the messages after the game, so keep them coming.
5: All right, well, I
3: appreciate it. There you go, Kendrick Perkins. He is fun, man. That's a good guy to have uh, rooting for your team.
6: And there you have it. Unfortunately, this is the last of the Best of the Joe show with me, Jay fig Figgy Jen figueroa right here on 560 the Joe WQAM. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at JFig Radio or on Twitter at TheJFig with a Double G. I'll catch y'all later.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.